Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC, and your daily reminder that the Reds remain top of the league and have recently won the Carabao Cup, are still in the FA Cup and still in the Europa League. Heads are falling off left, right and centre because people are very upset that Jürgen won a cup with kids. I saw the rotund Stephen Housen on with the, I assume, oxygen-deprived Rio Ferdinand talking absolute bobbins yesterday. So he tried to make an argument against the fact that the players we had out were kids. So his argument against Connor Bradley was that he's 20. Right, he's he's not 27, he's 20. And he's played 17 games, including that final for us. He's a kid. Then he named Harvey Elliott. Oh, he's played 100 games. Yeah, he's still 20. But Jürgen has put so much faith in him over the last number of years that he's played 100 games for us. His head would fall off if he understood that he also played 42 games on loan at Blackburn, three games for Fulham before we got him. Now, 
I personally wouldn't class Harvey as homegrown because we bought him and he basically became a senior player straight away. He's played very few games in our academy, but we did develop him from 16 until now. The hard work went into him at Liverpool. But he used the argument of he's played 100 games. And then he turned around with Cuevin Callagher, who none of us are calling a kid, and started going on that he's 25. Yeah, he's played 37 games. So if the argument for Harvey not being a kid is he's played 100 games, well, Callagher's only played 37. So which is it? Is it the age? Is it the games played? Because you can't have it both sides. I've seen others claim that Bobby Clark is not homegrown because we signed him from Newcastle. When we signed him from Newcastle as a 16-year-old, he'd never played a senior game for them. He's now played nine senior games for us, seven of them this season. He got his professional debut for Liverpool. The same is true of James McConnell, who signed for Liverpool at 15. Had never played for Sunderland's first team, has now played seven senior games, all of them coming this season. They haven't had anything to say about Jaden Dance because they can't make an argument against him. But Jaden Dance, James McConnell, and Bobby Clark all playing significant roles in that final. And I had one idiot say they came on late in the game. <clears throat> uh, to be clear, McConnell and Dans were brought on before the end of normal time when we knew the game was going to extra time. They played nine minutes of regulation, including the stoppage time. There was a 16-minute first half in extra time and an 18-minute second half in extra time. So that's 43 minutes for those two, McConnell and, and Dan's. 43 minutes is not a small amount in a football match. Uh, Bobby Clark played about 12 minutes more than them. Again, that's a considerable amount of time for a young player to be on the pitch in a final. It's just mental to me how much their heads are falling off over this, trying to discredit our academy. The facts of the matter are that this season, we have had Curtis Jones from our academy play 28 games. Harvey Elliott did play in our academy whether he's homegrown or not, he did play in our academy. He's played 35 games. Bobby Clark has played seven. Stefan Besetic has played two. Luke Chambers has played four. Callum Scanlon has played two. Kate Gordon has played two. Ben Doak has played five. James McConnell has played seven. Queeving Kelleher has played 16. Owen Beck has played one. Jaden Dans has played two. Gerald Kwanzaa has played 20. Connor Bradley has played 12. And oh, Trent Alexander-Arnold has played 29. They're all players from our academy who have played this season. 
Now, just because your club aren't pushing youngsters because your manager's under pressure and doesn't want to give young players a chance because your owner's a moron and spent a billion quid buying in a collection of players that do not work together, or because despite the fact that your club are doing well, your manager just doesn't like giving young players an opportunity. Whichever one of those you fall into, to be clear, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, there's no reason to be bitter about this. Just because Liverpool have won a cup and your teams haven't won anything this year and likely won't win anything this season, you don't have to be so upset. There, there is no, as, as my good friend Colo Touré once said, there's no need to be upset. But it is amazing watching the heads fall off. Oh, they're not homegrown. They didn't sign them at age seven. Okay, then Ryan Giggs is not a homegrown Manchester United player because he came out of City's Academy. Great stuff. Glad we've cleared that all up. That's tremendous. We're all in agreement then. Ryan Giggs, Manchester City produce. Yeah? Fantastic. The only other manager in the league who does actually give frequent opportunities to young players, and even if it's just having them involved in a matchday squad, is Pep. He's the only one because, like Jürgen, he's in a position of complete control and complete security. If Liverpool announced tomorrow that they were appointing Xabi Alonso as the new manager, and then in two months, Jürgen decided, you know what? I actually think I want to say, I want to stay. Liverpool would thank Xabi Alonso for, for his service and say goodbye and keep Jürgen. Such is the security that Jürgen has in this job. I, I just... Back in the 90s, when United started winning with Beckham and Giggs and the Nevilles and Bought and Skulls, none of us enjoyed it, obviously, because they were a reprehensible gang of you-know-what. But there was a grudging respect towards the fact that these lads had come from their academy and were, you know, contributing enormous amounts to Manchester United. But the comment today about Conor Bradley, or the comment yesterday about Conor Bradley really wound me up because you hear about how United won the league with kids. Well, David Beckham was 20 before he started making any real impact at United. Just like Conor Bradley, he was 20. But yet, he apparently was a kid. Paul Scholes was 21 before he started making a real contribution at United. He was 20 before he got in the team. Gary Neville, I think, was 19. I'll just double-check that, but I'm almost certain he was 19. 
Yeah. Played 27 games in all competitions, 18 in the league. But the year that they won the league with kids, Beckham and Neville were 20. Scholes was 21. Now, Giggs obviously did come into the team at 17. But as we've covered, Ryan Giggs Manchester City uh, produce. He's not a Manchester United produce because this is how it works, according to Manchester United fans. Nicky Butt was also 20 the year they won the league. Now, he'd made a bit of an impact the year before, the year they lost the league to Blackburn. But the point remains, 20 is a kid if you've played fuck all before that. But it's different rules for them than it is for us, apparently. Like, I understand United fans. It's 11 years since Ferguson left. You've spent a billion and a half. You're on manager number five, six if we include Ranić, but five in terms of permanent managers. Moyes, Van Hal, Mourinho, Ali, Ten Hag. And yet, you're as far away as ever from winning either of the big two pots. I saw one particularly moronic United fan claim that Liverpool had only won two trophies more under Klopp than United had won. I thought, well, that doesn't sound right to me. They've won two League Cups and a Europa League. We've won two League Cups, an FA Cup, a Super Cup, a World Club Cup, a Premier League and a Champions League. Now, to me, that's four more trophies than them including the big two that they haven't come anywhere close to. They haven't come anywhere close to winning a Premier League title since Ferguson left, and their performances in the Champions League have been an embarrassment since Ferguson left. They're miles away from winning the major trophies. We're on the cusp of winning major trophies this season. And have been, not last season obviously, but the season before, we came as close as you can come to winning the league title. Almost won the Champions League. Should have won the Champions League. 2021 obviously ruined by injuries. But 1920 won the league. 1819 won the Champions League. Almost won the league. 1718 Champions League final. While United have been irrelevant in all of this. So I understand why they're upset. But perhaps some calm inner reflection is what they need rather than projecting their misery at their own club onto others. I understand Chelsea fans being upset. You've lost your last six domestic finals in a row. Uh, You've lost three domestic finals in a row to Liverpool. You are owned by a buffoon. You've spent a billion quid and you sit 11th in the Premier League. Last year, you finished 12th. You are a laughingstock. And your entire history began and ended 
with Roman Abramovich. And as everybody is aware, Chelsea cheated to build the squads that they had. They broke very strict rules by paying money through third-party companies to players that otherwise would have had no interest. And the, the fear is for them that they go back to being what they were before Roman, which was a middle-of-the-pack team, a team that won some cups, but won those cups while spending way beyond their means. If you look at Chelsea as a business, they've been a failing enterprise for nigh on 50 years now. Seriously, go and look. Every year under Abramovich, they were losing money. Under Bowley, they're losing fortunes. Before Abramovich was Ken Bates. And Abramovich bought the club from Ken Bates when it was on the brink of extinction. He bought Chelsea in 1982 for a pound. Now, why would he buy them for a pound? Because they had significant debt and were on the brink of going out of business. And that runs us back into the 70s. So nigh on 50 years of Chelsea losing money endlessly and being largely irrelevant. Prior to Roman's arrival, they hadn't won a league title since 1955. So a 50-year gap between league titles. They had, though, won two second division titles in the 80s. Now, prior to Roman, they had won the FA Cup in 97 and 2000, while spending way beyond their means. Before that, they hadn't won it since 1970. They'd won one EFL Cup again during that spell under Ken Bates where they were spending themselves into oblivion. Prior to that, it had been 1965. They'd never won a Champions League or a Europa League prior to Roman. They did win the Cup Winners' Cup in 98 during that spell under Bates. They hadn't won it prior to that since 1971. <clears throat> so they had largely been a club of irrelevance. One league title, three FA Cups, two league cups, and a cup winner's cup. That was all they had to show for their entire history from 1905 up until 2003. 98 years, that's what they won. And they did it while clinging to life. While clinging to life and being at risk of going to the wall financially over and over and over again. And they're, they're scared that that's what they're going to go back to. That they will become irrelevant again. Because regardless of what any Chelsea fan tries to tell you, they were largely an irrelevant club prior to that run in the late 90s, where under Ken Bates, they won the couple of cups and nearly went bust. 
Because again, before that, they'd won one league title, one FA Cup and one League Cup and nothing since 1970. Oh, sorry, 71, they won the Cup Winners Cup. That was it. Four trophies in their history. Four. And the cost of the next group nearly bankrupt them. And if not for the fact that, well, A, they were cheating, and B, Roman was willing to bankroll it all in weird ways, they would not have had the success that they had under him. So that's why they're upset. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. And then with Arsenal, I mean, Arsenal obviously, huge club, without question. Um, one of the three truly great institutions of English football, ourselves, United and Arsenal, the, the red cartel, if you will. 13 league titles, 14 FA Cups, two league cups, one cup winner's cup, no real European pedigree at the club. And the European pedigree thing is, it's why they're so upset because their history in Europe is one Intercities Fairs Cup, which nobody counts anymore because it wasn't real competition. The UEFA Cup, it was like, a, it was like, you know, when you hear of unaired pilots on TV 
like, oh, yeah, they made an unaired pilot, but it didn't get picked up by the network, so it's just lost to history. That's basically what the Intercities Fairs Cup was. And then someone reworked it into the UEFA Cup, and it was great. They won that in 1970. They won the Copeners Cup in 1994. And aside from that, they've bottled three different European finals, one Champions League, two UEFA Cup finals. That's it. That's their European heritage. But they haven't won the league in 20 years now. The un, the invincible, unbeaten team of 0304 was their last league title. Most of the little scrotes that are on Twitter either weren't born or were infants when that team was doing what it was doing. So they don't really have any reference point of what it's like for Arsenal to win the league. And they're bet into the belief that they have some predetermined right to win the league. But what they forget is that this isn't the first time in Arsenal's history that they've had a long title drought. They won five league titles in the 1930s, one in the 40s, one in the 50s, and then went 18 years without a title until they won it in 1971. Then they went 18 more years until they won it in 1989 under George Graham at Anfield. We know the story. They won it again in 91. Then it was a seven-year gap till Wenger's first. Then Wenger won three in six years. And now it's been 20 years. And they're very upset by that. Because, let's be fair, if we won the league unbeaten, and someone said to us, I hope you enjoyed that. You're not going to win the league again for 20 years. You'd think they were mental. The idea that you could win the Premier League title unbeaten and not win it again for 20 years with arguably your greatest ever team. And think about that team, how good that was. Jens Lehmann and goal, Loren, Colo, Campbell and, and Cole as a back four. Lumberg, Gilberto Silva, Vieira and Perez in midfield. Phenomenal. Burkamp and Henri up front. You'd be looking at that and thinking, right, we're going to need to replace Burkamp. He's already kind of on the way out. He's playing less and less. So we need to find a replacement for him. And we'll need to find a replacement for Jens Lehmann, who's in his early to mid-30s. But aside from that, we're pretty good because Loren is late 20s, mid-20s. Uh, Colo is mid-20s. Campbell is late 20s. Cole is early 20s, really, but 23, 24. Lumberg is mid-20s. Perez is mid-20s. Vieira is late 20s. Gilberto Silva is mid to late 20s. And Henri is mid-20s, or late 20s, whatever it was. Either way, you'd be looking at that and thinking, we're going to get three or four great more years out of this group as long as we find a replacement for Burkamp and we future-proof our goalkeeping situation. And then it's just about adding squad players. We're, we're set here. But little did they know that Roman was just going to continue to take the lunch money and bully them and that Mourinho was going to arrive and bully Wenger and denounce the club and Wenger as specialists in failure. 
And to this day, they remain specialists in failure. They're very, very upset that they bottled the title in such spectacular fashion last season that now they want to project that onto us and say, well, if Liverpool don't win the title from here, it's one of the biggest bottle jobs ever. We're, we're one point clear with 12 games to go. There would be no bottle job if we don't win the title. It's not a bottle job at all. Now, what Arsenal did last season was a spectacular job at bottling the title. A genuinely impressive. I, I don't know how you go about it that in that fashion, but we shouldn't have expected anything less, and I didn't expect anything less because of how they'd bottled a fourth-place finish the year before. But so they're upset because they bottled the title last year. They haven't won the Premier League in 20 years and they've never won the European Cup. They've been left behind financially by obviously Liverpool and United, but also Chelsea and City. Chelsea and City have come along and Arsenal have gone from being number three in the pecking order to number five in the pecking order. And that upsets them greatly. So this is why those clubs and their fans are very, very upset on this Tuesday by Liverpool winning the cup with kids. Because what it's shown them is that the future for Liverpool is really, really bright. That the here and now is really good, but that the future promises to be even better. That unlike when Ferguson left United, he's an entire squad rebuild was needed. Unlike when Wenger left United and an entire squad rebuild was needed, Jürgen is leaving behind a club that is blossoming everywhere, that has this incredible academy bulging at the seams with talent a first team that is only going to improve because when you look at the age profile of our team, Allison is 31. He's a goalkeeper. He's got five, six years left. Joe Gomez is 26. Virgil's 32, but he's a centre-back. He's got four, five years left. Kanate's 24. Trent is 25. Jarrell Kwanzaa is 21. Connor Bradley is 20. Dominic Zabozla is 23. Alexis McAllister is 25. Curtis Jones is 23. Harvey Elliott is 20. Gravenberg is 21. Bobby Clark is 19. Besetic is 19. And James McConnell is 19. Luis Diaz is 27. But Darwin is only 24. Cody Gakbo is 24. Jota is 27. Kate Gordon is 19. Ben Doak is 18. Jaden Dans is 18. Trainiani is 16. Like, you look at that, that's, that's not a squad that's going to need huge amounts of big money signings in the next couple of years. We already know that if it's Alonso or Amaram and they're going to play the 3 4 2 1, it's three players. If it's De Zerbe and he's going to play 4-2-3-1, it's three players. If it was Klopp turning around and saying, do you know what, I've had a bit of a think about it, I'm going to stay. It's still three players. We really only need three players. Now, look, if others leave, if Queeving were to leave, 
that would create a need. If Diaz was to leave, then I think we need a starter over him anyway, but you'd be looking at an, an additional squad player. The only the only one who could leave that would really hurt us, realistically, is Mo. I don't think Trent is going to go to Real Madrid. Some people are pushing that narrative that he'll go to Real. I don't think so. I could be wrong. I don't think so. Virgil's not leaving. Mo is the the one that might. But under managers like Amarim and Alonso, who play a different way to Jurgen and a different shape to Jurgen, replacing Mo might be a little bit easier than it is under Jurgen, given the system that Jurgen puts in place. Because Mo in the current team. It's not just the goals, it's also the creativity and assists. Under an Alonso or an Amaram, that creativity is spread further out, so it is just the goals. Now, replacing goals is obviously hard, but both of those managers would likely play Sabozlai as one of the two behind the striker. He will get a lot of goals in that role. So... That'll take some of the weight off. Darwin will kick on in their systems as well because he'd be more of a focal point. I think replacing Mo is easier under those managers. Not easy, not easy, but easier under one of those managers than it would be under Jurgen because of the shape in the system. But you look at our team and under those managers, you're looking for a left-footed centre-back, a left-wing back, and a holding midfielder. It's probably 150 million. But that's it. And you're good to go. And you can give more and more academy players opportunities. I didn't even mention Callum Scanlon. Didn't mention Luke Chambers. They're both going to be involved in the future. You know? And there's there's more as well. There's more coming. Trent Coney doherty he looks a player too. The the Kumas kid, he looks a player. So we're in a really good position, and frankly, all these clubs are just bitter and jealous. Other than City, who don't really have anything to be bitter and jealous about because obviously they've won shitloads. But the fact of it is, they are a little bit jealous. But here's why they're jealous before I go. They're jealous because... They've won all this stuff and nobody cared. Nobody gave them any credit. Liverpool won a League Cup on Sunday and got more praise and coverage than City did last season for winning a treble. They got more hype for what they did Sunday than City did last year for winning a treble. And the reason is that nobody cares about City. Because, unfortunately for City, Chelsea came along, did the underhanded stuff that they did, that City would later do, and it kind of sickened everybody. So when City came along, it was, for fuck's sake, another one of these. Another one of these clubs 
who's just going to buy their success. And that's what City have done. City haven't built success. They've bought success. And as we know, they've done it outside of the rules of the game. So nobody cares what City have done because they've cheated and everybody knows they've cheated. And personally, I just, I, they don't even enter my mind when I think of the great English clubs. Yeah, they're having this great run. Fantastic. Pep's going to leave. You're going to get punished. There's a strong possibility you lose a bunch of your titles. There's another investigation to come as well, by the way, from 2018 on. So don't think that you're going to get away with that either. And you're probably going to get relegated. And that's just what it's going to be. And then you go back to being little old city. Because when you think of the big Premier League clubs, you think Liverpool, you think United, you think Arsenal, you think Villa, you think Everton, you think Newcastle. And then you might get to Chelsea and City. If you think historically. And you factor in that the stuff they won was underhanded. They didn't win any of it honest, honest, uh, honestly. It's like that Brian Clough line when he rocked up at Leeds and he told the players they could take all the medals and all their pots in the pans and they could throw them into the biggest bin they could find because they'd won none of them honestly. Now, he meant because Don Revy's team used to just kick lumps out of players, but City and Chelsea have done it through financial doping. Through fraud. Simple as that. Uh, on anfieldindex.com, we have a clatter of new work up. There's a bunch of stuff up about the Carabao Cup final. So go and check that out. There's a piece about Lee Clark talking about Bobby. There is a piece about Virgil elevating others onto his level. Uh, there's the post-mortem on the cup final. There's also two pieces up ahead of the Southampton game, predicting an 11 and some opposition analysis. Podcast-wise, there is the New Media Matters with Dave Davis and David Lynch. It is Monday Lynch time. I don't care. There is AI Scouted. It is myself and Young Matchett. I say young. He's younger than me. He's not young. Um, discussing the Southampton game, the cup final, and a few other bits and bobs. We finally have a fatigue index, about time, Brundish. There is a fatigue index, Simon and Neil Parsley. So do check that out. And there is a new under pressure, Dan Kennett, Hamza, Cy Brundish, and Phil Barter, Dr. Phil Barter. If you don't mind uh, having a good old chat about the win over Luton, the cup, and the current injury situation ahead of six games in 16 days before the international break. Folks, the Southampton game is actually must win, even though I don't care if we win the FA Cup this year or not. This one is must win, because if we win this game, it will push the Everton game scheduled for St. Patrick's weekend back beyond the international break, because that would be FA Cup sixth round weekend. And if the Everton game disappears to beyond the international break, then the chances are that during that international break, Ali, Curtis and Trent are all back, which would mean they actually will only miss two more league games. 
Forest this weekend, and then City. And it looks like Dom, Moe, and Darwin could all be good for Forest. But we get through those two games. Obviously, the City one will be tough, especially with no Ali. But Ali's had some stinkers against City, so you never know. Maybe Cuevin comes up trumps like he just did in the cup final. We get through them, and then by the back of... FA Cup sixth round, lose it and go out, I don't care. International break, come back, and Jota is the only one who will be out. Matip, obviously, because he's out for the season. Besetic, potentially. Thiago, probably. They'll probably be out, but we're not counting that because we knew the minute Matip got hurt, he was done for the season. We've never counted on Thiago or Besetic this season. Of the players that we count on, we might come back out of the international break with only one of them missing. That's only two league games to get to that point. That is massive. Massive. And if Dom, Moe and Darwin are back for Forest, we're going to Forest and winning. And if we can roll out against City with Dom, Endo and Alexis in midfield, Moe, Darwin and Diaz in attack, Bradley or Gomez, Canate, Virgil, Robbo, Simicus or Gomez. I'm good with Cuevin in goal against City, as long as we have the rest of that. Um, That'll do, folks. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.